Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, uh, I would say there's a giant fashion delta between you and I. My good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron Coy. Cameron looks like ready to go... I don't know, like being a being a um, Eddie Bauer catalog. <laughs> it's a photo shoot today. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm like, uh, this shirt is literally from the year 2001. <laughs> it's a moving company that I used to work for. I've got the baseball cap on. I've spent the morning in the kitchen doing my mm. my. When I say food prep for the week, it makes it sound like I'm like bodybuilding or something. <laughs> like the the food that I'm making for myself is not uh not of the it's not unhealthy, but it's it's just homemade lunches and breakfast for the week. Sure. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been gross in the kitchen, dude. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, big fan of meal planning. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay, Cameron, that doesn't mean sending an email off to craft services <laughs> when they don't have what you want. That's not meal planning, okay? Okay. <laughs> I know how you roll. I know so how true. all you P- you PBS fat cats roll with all your <laughs> donated money. I mean, why don't you make an honest buck like Paramount? You know what I mean? It's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, media inside jokes aside, Cameron, how you been? What have you been doing with regards to Magic the Gathering this week? Uh, you know, it's been a pretty good week. Um, I'm doing two things, one of which is playing still the Jeskai Control slash Jeskai Hinata deck. Um, and then the other thing is, like, just deciding what to do. I have, like, essentially all the elements for the blue-white control list other than um, the the Wandering Emperor, which is that new Planeswalker with Flash. Um, But I'm definitely, I'm going to pick those up or order those online here and make the paper deck because I have almost everything else for that deck. Um, So it should be really easy to to suit up for, you know, less than 40 bucks, which is awesome. Um, First and foremost, I think I hate, capital H, hate the Jeskai Lear deck. Um, or like the one that's been putting up the most results, I find that one to just be garbage. And I've been struggling to win even a, a match, um, oh, wow. with, with that deck. I flip over to Jeskai Hinata and rock and roll. I mean, it's still not like tuned or like a perfect deck, but for me, the, there's just something about like the Hinata with like those higher sp- casting cost spells that you can use where I feel like I have a lot more game against things like mono green. Whereas like if I'm playing the Lear deck and I have two spike field hazards in my, my hand and I'm trying to run up against like a a mono green opponent, like good luck. Like I just, they just Mm. roll over me. So I don't know. Like I know a lot of people have been having good success. I just, I have not found it with Lear. Dude, I may again, this is pairings. This might be where I'm at in the rankings because, you know, I'm whatever. Seven matches a week on arena kind of person, you know. Um, I play against mono red and mono green all the freaking time. I know the metagame analysis shows that those those things are way down, especially mono green. I mean, I play against it a lot, a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas, and, and I see blue red. I the the uh, the Nye Enchantments deck is the one that I feel like is the most represented deck that I run into the least, mm-hmm. right? Um, but dude, again, here we are with this great freaking standard, 
the, yeah. I, the new set has been just a chef's kiss on it. And and it's like radio silence from Wizards. It's like radio silence. Well, Star City Games doesn't have a thing. <laughs> it's such a frustrating experience to be like, guys, we got it. It's done. It's fixed. Yeah. You can pl- there are like five really good viable decks. And I feel like it's super interactive magic. You know, you don't get all runs epiphanied times three in a row and then like suddenly lose, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now here's what I'll ask you about Hanada. Do we like it better? Because I'm I'm very much in your camp. Do I like it? Do we like it better than Lear because when it the deck goes, quote unquote goes, it's more fun than when Lear goes? Maybe. Maybe. It is a lot more fun to have like a whole bunch of like draw spells and four four creatures with Magna Opus. I'm just gonna say I love that. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, the Loctite on the game just feels a lot stronger. For sure. For sure. Um, but like, dude, there, there's a lot of like things going on in the top decks that I don't love. I'm still, I I understand unexpected windfall, but I've seen that in so many decks that don't have Goldspan Dragon. And that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure, like it's good. Smarter than people, smarter people than me are doing it. But when I've played those decks, and again with Goldspan Dragon, I'm fine with it. But without, it's just it feels terrible. Often, yeah. often, often, I have it with. I, I cannot just like it's like my top deck or whatever. It just doesn't do what Behold the Multiverse does, or you know. Memories Deluge or whatever. Um, the other card that I'm a little eh, on every time I see it in a list, I'm like, okay, that's a little too cute for me. Is Galvanic Iteration? Um, I get, like, I get it, I get mm-hmm. it. But is that really better than having like sometimes you'll see like two Expressive Iteration and two Galvanic <laughs> Iteration? And you're like, is that really better than just having four Expressive Iterations? Like, how yeah. often is the make-or-break thing your ability to copy a spell? Yeah. And once again, like, I think there's just more value in one less casting for a target with Hanada than using iteration in order to, oh, I can play the spike field hazard twice now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the sort of thing, like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I, a lot of these lists that are doing well I don't love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just me, my preference and the way, the era in which I play Magic. Or we don't really have a competitive scene where the actual tip-top players are sharpening these decks the way we're used to. Sure. But I feel this way all the time. I look at some of these lists and I think, this is kind of sloppy. There's a lot of like cards that should clearly be a four of that are not. There are cards that are just kind of... Win yep. mores that are added in these as one ofs or two ofs, and it's like, I don't know, man. And also the double face card thing. Uh, sometimes you'll see mana bases that I feel like adjust to it properly, but sometimes I see like you'll see Jawari disruption lower a control deck's uh, land count by four, but it's like guys, all those are entering in tapped. Yep. So like you need to adjust somehow to be able to play that turn four, turn five card that you need. I don't know. These are just like deck building things that. I would love to talk with someone that's like a super high level pro and be like, is this, am I right in feeling this way? Cause it's yeah. really hard to like translate. Um, what do you, sorry, I'm trampling all over your standard talk, Cameron. Like, tell me, tell me what, what else you got going on over there? Much of anything? 
Yeah, I mean, other than just like the building the blue white list, um, I don't know how good it is. I haven't actually played against this deck or played it yet um, in paper, or I'm sorry, on digital. But um, everything that it has going for it, I'm intrigued by. Specifically, um, the the, um, exile all farewell. There we go. The exile artifact creature enchantment and planes or in, in graveyards. Right. I think that that has a lot of game. Um, and I'm looking forward to trying that with the Wandering Emperor. It just it seems like a pretty saucy list, a little bit more control for my play style. Um, yeah, it's just doing a lot of things that I like. Dude, is there... I really should just right now just order one of all these lands from Neon Dynasty, right? Like, They're good. <laughs> and there's like no way that you're not always going to play one, mm-hmm. right? In any format, like in Pioneer, like you're always going to play one. Why would you not? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's me just making a mental shopping note. <laughs> uh, so Cameron, kind of a, a left turn for me to for me this week. I got to play in person cube, dude. Um, and <clears throat> shout out to my wife who, once she found out I got invited to an in person cube, she was like, "Get out of the house." Go play cards. I'm tired of you complaining. You know, my wife is very pro me going to play paper cards at any Mm -hmm. instant. She, like, I'm super lucky in that way. But she finds me playing digitally. I mean, maybe I've hit my mouse against the desk many times. (laughs) I tend to be much more, like, she always says, you're just cursing in a room downstairs. I don't like that. And, you know, I I would love to tell you, it genuinely does take the, uh, form of self-criticism like I'm I'm usually criticizing myself mm. and uh, it could be kind of unhealthy and when I'm playing in person I can somehow maybe it's a social contract I can keep it all in Cameron you can compartmentalize right yes <laughs> right right um, but I'm kind of the uh, I've, I've been with this cube group one other time I, I, I'm kind of the I think hey they're missing a guy call call Curtis up see if he can make it kind of thing um, and this is a like I would say a much more casual group than uh, you know what an F and M or something would be like. Some of these guys play competitively, some don't. Um, and this cube I would say is like mostly pioneer to modern stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the problem, Cameron. So pack one, pick one, vindicate. Okay. Do you know what Kaya's Guile is? It's that new modern card. It's like one a black and a white. You can mm-hmm. exile their graveyard. You can make them sacrifice a creature. Familiar, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's too good for limited, so I picked that, right? Vindicate into another black-white card. Into another white card. I can't remember what it was. And I think, all right, good for you, Curtis. You're not cube drafting control. <laughs> you're going to do like a black-white control. You're going to go out of your, your range. And then the blue cards just start coming, Cameron. Uh... Next pack factor fiction i got a pack pick four factor fiction when i had already gotten a vindicate in a kaya's guy what yeah. you know what's a guy to do esper control right? man <laughs> yeah it's like you know the other day i was like i'm gonna start really watching my carbs i gotta be a little more careful roll up to the coffee shop and I, and they have a sign that says ask about our food for the day and i had had breakfast i said what food do you have for today and they said we actually have a triple decker chocolate banana bread, right? Mm-hmm. What's the guy to do? What's the guy to do? You get the banana Di- bread. Yeah, diet starts in 24 hours, I guess, right? Like, 
Same with getting like I, I am incapable of passing a fact or fiction in cube. Like I just don't think I I have it in me, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, from there things went pretty well. Sublime Epiphany, All right? right? <laughs> Lots of ETB creatures. Five mana to fairy. Dang. Yeah. Okay. I had three Rass in the deck. So when I gave feedback, you know, so I, I went six and L, won the pod. <laughs> I mean, listen to the deck you I just monster. described you. <laughs> listen to the deck I just described you, Cameron. I I factor fictioned one of the flips was a dream trawler and I put it in the graveyard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it was just the cards are flowing, right? Um, oh, I also had a Scarab God. <laughs> what is... Uh, now, it, somebody else had a really good mono red deck, which I think would have given me problems. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. I did play against a very good Naya deck in the finals, and they kind of had a rough draw in game two, but they had like three or four Naya Planeswalkers. Including Gideon Ally of Zendikar. So, yeah. there were, there, I mean, this is a cube, <coughs> many cubes. You can describe the deck, and they all sound bananas, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you, this one was bananas. All right. And um, so, I, I afterwards I talked to him, and I was, he's like, "Hey, what do you think?" I was like, "Look, I I don't want to be the guy that tells you this. Believe me, I think control might be too good in this cube." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remove a couple of rats. <laughs> And he's like, what, what, what do you think? He's like, should I change the number of rats? And I was like, well, so like, you know, you have Scarab God is kind of a reanimator card, but it's also a control card. That Venn diagram overlaps, but, you know, I don't know if that's what you want. But I said, number one thing I would do, five mana Teferi is way too good in limited. Way, 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 way too good in limited. Yeah. I said, I would actually change it to Jace the Mind Sculptor, who is better as a constructed card. I think worse as a limited card, if that makes okay. sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but dude, in-person magic, right? Like S- something magical. <laughs> my, my, my guy has a, he has a separate, like kind of like garage room. He also in his free time does like craft brewing. And so it's set up for that and for magic. Okay. Awesome. There's fridges in there. <laughs> there's space heaters. There's a vinyl, uh, record player, some speakers, wow. <laughs> It is a sweet setup, man. So, um, yeah, it was it was an awesome, 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 awesome time, um, and uh, snacks snacks of plenty. I kind of didn't want it to end, but um, anyway, so that's my week. If you haven't had, if you haven't cubed in a while, it, it's uh, it's good medicine for sure. So, Cameron, I'm actually going to divide this show up into two segments because there's really not much in the way of news. We kind mm-hmm. of are, are slowly, especially since there's not tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> the filling the news thing has kind of been tough. Um, so really, Watsy just announced this thing. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're constantly reading the t- the tea leaves with mm-hmm. what Watsy is and isn't announcing. But basically, they said, "Hey, uh, there's the April 29th set, uh, Streets of New Capina, which is the kind of like mob demon thing, like demon mob bosses kind of thing." Um, and hey. The paper pre-release is a week before you can play it digitally. Now, Cameron, refresh my memory. What, do you remember when it was like this before? 
Or had that I mean, not that was like only two and a half years ago, right? I, I don't... Before I, Arena. Yeah. So, yeah. Now I, I'm sorry. I guess I don't... It's so it hard to, to remember, yes. Also, the last four years have actually felt like a decade, but also felt like six weeks. It's very it's right. Confusing. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, but... So it used to be the cards, you would play in paper, and then it would take two weeks for them to get on MTGO. This would be pre-Arena, mm-hmm. okay? Um, which had an interesting impact on Magic's economy, because on Magic Online, because a lot of times the decks would be known. And so you would go into the pre-release act- actively trying to get certain cards, mm-hmm. so you knew they were constructed like powerhouses. But anyway, they're going back to that. So you pre-release at the store in person a week before you can play it digitally. What do you think? Uh, this is good all around, in my opinion. Um, it's good for the store owners. It's good for, you know, every shop. It's good for, um, in-person magic. Um, and yeah, I guess I, I just don't need it on the arena. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't feel special in the same way. I know that's so kind of like dumb to say, I think, but there is something special about a pre-release in paper and, suiting up those cards for the first time and having complete unknowns. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. Um, kudos to Watsi for doing this. Um, this should be a step one. Uh, yeah. This yeah. should be a step one. Um, but it's a good first step, and I like you, I want to give them kudos where kudos is due. It should have never gone the other way. I'll be the first to admit the, the digital first made my pre-releases much more profitable because a lot of times when I was seriously like seeking cards and whatever, I would play digitally many days before going to the store and then, you know, just clean up, right? But because I knew the mechanics better than some of the other players, right? And what the cards were to look for and that kind of thing. Um, but now you've gone from me only occasionally attending pre-releases to 100%. Now it's a mark on my calendar. I have to go. Right now in Kansas City, we used to do major pre-releases at convention centers Yeah, where all the local shops would rent out a part of a convention center and they would just hit 24 players and boom, it would be a flight. So you could play Friday night, all Saturday and all Sunday, as long as you had 25 bucks to enter the next flight and you got to play against other players from other stores in the area. And it was super vibrant and super fun. And I'm not sure it was necessarily profitable, which is why I think it stopped. But dude, I went to one with you and Dustin, like right when we, f- like right before we started the podcast, and it was incredible. I wish that would continue because it was that would in my mind just stuck out as like a really special type of event, you know? Yeah, it was really great for our community and really great for the scene, but also like back in the days when you would binder grind. Like, that would be, like, the number one way. You would open pre-release cards, and then you would mm-hmm. get cards that had recently rotated out for a song because there would be standard-only players that would just want the new stuff and would be willing. I remember I traded a Shockland for, like, 12 Scars of Mirrodin lands, right? And it was just, like, that player just thought they were fine. The Scars lands at that point, I mean, this was, like, a equalish value trade. They were not mm-hmm. anything. And... So you kind of had this really great scene. I, I think you could still do that with Commander Pods. Like, we can have this marriage of competitive and casual scene through a pre-release still. So there's still, I think, steps that need to happen, right, for them to support these things. But we've kind of passed the point where, hey, we're going to give you a sweet promo card for playing Standard. 
you got to give us a little bit more. And the shop mm-hmm. should have been getting this forever ago. I was flabbergasted that there were people out on the internet that were disappointed in this announcement. Like, I mean, I guess there's just some people you can't make happy. But mm. the idea that we are a fully digital game, full stop now, I think is wrongheaded. Yep. And you're going to go to this pre-release now, aren't you, Cameron? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't pre-released in ages and very much looking forward to it. So there's, there's, your, sam- there's your sample size, Watsy. Paper pre-releases first. You're 200% more, like, you're going to get 200% growth out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Right? Now, now you need to fix Eponym. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, go after it hard, even if it's not Friday night. Like, if you want to rebrand Eponym to something else, fine. But you have got to fix competitive standard, like, now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at this Cube event, the shop, the guys were going through me through with me because i don't go to all the shops in the kc metro they do uh between all of them how many shops have dropped f&m and awful. it was just so dis- yeah, yeah. It was so disappointing right all right cameron there's been a few video games coming out just a few uh and i want to hear all the things about them we'll be right back after this all right cameron so uh, a game came out, was it Friday? Elder Friday. Night? And it's, I guess, Breath of the Wild, maybe? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a game that's had more rapturous review scores come out about it. Um, but it was like perfect score after perfect score after perfect score. You and I are huge from software fans, maybe late to the game, but mm-hmm. um, big ones. You've played a lot more of this game than me. Hit me. Tell me everything about it, what you love, what you don't love. Go. Yeah. Uh, Elden Ring, uh, what you're saying about Breath of the Wild, it feels – I was trying to, like, put my finger on, like, how to describe this game, and it just feels like Zelda all growing up. Uh, <laughs> that means Dark Souls. Uh, open world game, massive. Um, you ride a horse – the landscapes are just gorgeous. Like everything about this game is just like really scratching that part of my brain that it, it's just like, it's hitting it to the tens. It's great. Um, so, you know, it's like a fantasy RPG game. You're in like this realm between two worlds called, I can't remember fallen or something like that. Um, the lands in between lands in between. Yeah. I can't remember. It's a really cool story. Like, I mean, I, but that's the thing I also love about these from software games is you can really invest in the story and pay attention to that. But so much of it is just like the world is the story. So as you kind of come upon a camp or like a ruin, that's telling as much of a story as just like a, 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 a of like dialogue tree, dialogue tree, dialogue tree, right? There's like just none of that. It's just, it's there for you to experience or it's not right. That's what I, really really appreciate about this game and just coming off of the witcher 3 man is that a difference um as far as like how it goes or how how it's presented i guess um the game right now it doesn't feel nearly as hard as dark souls or sekiro um or dark souls 3 for that matter 
like I, I feel like I'm holding my own and I don't know if that's just because I'm more familiar now with how the combat works. It feels very much like a Dark Souls game as far as how the combat works. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone through a couple dungeons already and, and beat the bosses, the little mini bosses that are in those. It's super fun. Um, there is, there's just so much about this game. And right now I have just overwhelmingly positive thoughts on it. Um, and I'm only eight hours into it and I hear there's several, several more hours to go. So, <laughs> so because I've had such technical, I'm like two hours in and then I'm like eight hours into horizon. So it's looking like I might finish horizon first kind of depends on kind of my mood, I suppose. But, um, I've had a bunch of technical issues on Xbox. Like I can't log in. So I have no idea how multiplayer works, but I've always had this thing with from software games outside of Sekiro, obviously when I kill a boss, I like to set myself up to go into other players games uh, to help them with the boss. And that's like Mm -hmm. my way of unwinding after um, I beat a boss because bosses can sometimes be high tension. Um, Have you done any of the multiplayer stuff? Have you been invaded? Have you summoned? I have been invaded a couple times um, and I have tried the summoning but it, it just didn't really work for me you know uh, there's also mm. like npcs that you can summon which is actually a really cool mechanic um that helps with like taking out like some of those forts that you have to like um take out and so you can summon a bunch of ghost dogs to go with you and and take out the the leader Roll out. it's pretty fun yeah yeah i um Man, I, it would be impossible for me to imagine that there are boss scenarios that are tougher than some of the ones in Sekiro. Like, because the, the ones in Sekiro really were walking that razor's edge of too much. Mm-hmm. Like, demanding you to be too perfect to the pattern for too long. I mean, for example, the final boss. Um, yeah. Or who's the dude you had to sword fight at the, the top of the mountain or the top of the, the castle? It's like the halfway point of the game, and you can actually yeah, make the game in. Yeah. Um, that fight is it. Genichiro? Is that Genichiro? Right? right. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, that was like, I mean, really pushes you to the edge of your capabilities in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I want that again <laughs> from this game because yeah. it's open world, and I don't know that because I think I would just be like, all right, well, later, <laughs> and then I just go in a different direction, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas Sekiro really made you like I always equated to a personal trainer, right? It, like really, hey, you have to do this right now. Um, the thing that I love about Elden Ring, and I was telling you this versus Horizon, is so much of the From Software stuff is so experiential that the story, like just having that story exist in the background is flavor that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to, in some ways makes the experience stronger. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have, like, everything else is just lore-drenched all the time, right? Yeah. Destiny is like this. Like, you'll get into a Destiny expansion. You'll be like, oh, I haven't played in a while. And they're just yapping about whoever's whoever's second cousin, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. And it's like, dude, can I just go? Mm -hmm. You know? And then, like, for whatever reason, that lore depth that is purely optional makes it more interesting. Um. Oh, dude, I, I want to ask you so many other questions, but I'm I'm just like, I don't also want to spoil it for myself. Yeah, it's and, uh... but like, it's so it's so bizarre that we have two games 
that mirror two previous games that happened four years ago. So last time, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn launched a week later. We got Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Same thing here. It's yeah. nuts, right? Um, and uh, I do want to touch base with Horizon because I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. Sure. Um, but I, is there anything else you want to cover with Elden Ring? Like no, you're running no, it on I, high I'll have PC, plenty right? to say in the weeks coming, I'm sure. So, <laughs> I mean, you do know we're 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 gonna have to talk about Magic the Gathering next week too, Cameron. So slice out yeah. some time. <laughs> so, Horizon, I'm like I just got into the Forbidden West portion, but I really okay. took my time in the kind of the opening area, and I get the impression that Elden Ring has this too. Like, there's an opening area, and then the game kind of expands out. Um, but when you get to the part that expands out in Horizon, the game looks so uncomfortably big and gorgeous. It is just really something. And like Elden Ring on purpose has this layer of like, you have to learn what items do or look it up on a guide or, you know, okay, I beat this boss and I got a thing. What is this thing? Horizon is clearly much more spelled out of an experience, right? Mm-hmm. But they both nail this sense of, I'm getting into this landscape and I have no idea what's there, right? And Horizon, now that I'm a little bit deeper into it, I can tell you the thing that I dislike about it so far is the story, which I didn't expect because I really liked the story to the first game, mm-hmm. but it's so verbose. Yeah. Like every time you stop and talk to someone, you're just like, oh, dude, come on. Can we? Yeah. But the combat is still awesome just so good in those games and the other thing that kind of surprised me is they've added a whole element of puzzle solving like platformer puzzle stuff and it is really cool and i don't know if you remember there were these really tall dinosaurs that would let you do the look around the landscape thing yep there's a puzzle to even get to those like to get up to it right and they do some really smart stuff with that um the crafting system, I think, is kind of best in class. A lot of crafting systems, both across Witcher 3, Skyrim, is just kind of this menu mess yeah. where with Horizon, it's much cleaner. Um, so really, what I'm trying to say is you can't go wrong. Now, I have read, uh, I don't think you should do this, but I have read that the PlayStation 4 version is actually quite good. Runs at a stable 30 frames a second, all those things. So if you're kind of like stuck and you don't necessarily want to play the ps4 version of elden ring which i would almost certainly not recommend sounds like horizon will get you where you need to be Mm -hmm. um especially if you have a ps4 pro because i guess technically those still exist right um anyway cameron and you should just wait for it to come on pc and then you're gonna have a freaking blast oh yeah yeah that's kind of the plan right now hopefully you'll you'll have elden ring finished then Maybe. I mean, I don't know. This is like the next 14 months I think I have planned out. So. Oh, 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 sorry. I still have more Elden Ring questions. So I have to ask, because I've read this on Twitter. They've said that basically magic is much weaker than it is in some of the other games. Have you experienced that yet? So I am going with Tank Dude. I don't know. Oh, nice. <laughs> I am, I'm going essentially with what my level up, my class was for, for Dark Souls, which is just... Night with Strength build. Claymore. Like, I'm just going to go Claymore route, and uh, away we go, right? So is that is that like full-on strength build then, not dex? Yeah, yeah. Strength with a little dexterity, yeah. So, yeah, I 
in Bloodborne, I did a full-on dex build. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm leaning that direction here. But mm-hmm. I, I, of course, like an idiot, I picked the wrong class. I picked Vagabond, and apparently I was supposed to pick Samurai. Yeah, these are th- yeah. These are things you don't know as a, like a non-D&D player. When people are like, oh, dude, a rogue is the best dex class. You're like, <laughs> how is any human being supposed to know that? That doesn't play Dungeons and Dragons. It's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly have so, not played enough. No, I, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I don't know what kind of build I'm going for, um, but I, I've got some time to sort it out. I've never really been a magic guy, and that's like, and you've never played Dark Souls 2, right? Mm-mm. That's the one where you have to do magic in your build, and it kind of feels a little bit strange. Mm. So, you, honestly, you should... Dark Souls 2 is a fine game, it's just the problem is it has the word Dark Souls on the cover, and that really kind of sets you... It has, yeah, different expectations, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like whenever, you know, it's an Allison Chains album, but the other guy is the lead singer. You're kind of like, this would be fine. This would be fine. It's just you put that on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe Allison Chains is the most underrated hard rock band of all time. <laughs> so you kind of can't do that. Right? It's fair. <laughs> Cameron, if someone would like to get in touch with you and get your Alice in Chains playlist, where could they find you? Mm, that's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>